This is my son, Clay. Now, I know I'm biased, but isn't he the cutest little guy in the world? I mean, look, look at his little cheeks and his little hair and his little dimples. I want to tell you a little bit about Clay. I want to tell you a, little, a few facts about Clay. Fact number one, he's the strongest five-year-old you've ever seen. I know this because I've literally seen him pin down his seven-year-old brother, Max, and Max could not get out of the, the hold for the life of him. Fact number two, Clay says I love you about 15 times a day to carry in myself, which means he's probably going to be a really good husband when he gets married. Fact number three, Clay hates sleeping alone. Almost every night, he'll wander his way into my wife Carrie and I's bed, and in the morning, we'll turn and we'll see him in the bed. If you have young kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Fact number four, Clay gets very indecisive when he's tired. His go-to answer when he's tired is this, I don't know. After a long day, if he's tired, he'll come up to me and he'll say, Dad, I'm tired. And he'll say it like that in a really whiny voice. And I'll give him suggestions. Okay, Clay, you want to go outside? I don't know. You want to watch TV? I don't know. You want to play Nintendo? I don't know. You want to play Lego? I don't know. Do you want to go to Disneyland? I don't know. Like seriously, what am I supposed to do with that? I think Clay's go-to tired response is the exact same response that many Christ followers have to the question that we're answering today. How do I find God's calling in my life? A lot of the time our answer is, I don't know. Over the last number of years, I've met with many, many people, a lot of young adults, especially in my office, or even here at Timber Books and Bistro, and they've asked this exact question, how do I find God's calling in my life? How do I know what God wants me to do? Is there a task that I'm specifically called to? Is God's calling something that I could miss? Or is it going to happen no matter what? What is God's calling in my life? Those are some of the questions that we're going to be answering today. And before we jump into it, let me just refer you to a book. If you're looking to have, do some further reading on this topic, I recommend this book, The Call by Oz Guinness. It's influenced the way that I've thought about calling, and actually it's influenced today's talk as well. But the principles that we're going to be using today, I actually learned these principles from my driving instructor when I was 16 years old. Now, this wasn't my car. As you can see, this is a nice Mercedes car. This wasn't my car when I was 16 years old. But when I, when I was taking my driving instruction, and my, my instructor told me this. When navigating a highway on-ramp, you know when you go on an on-ramp, it's usually a big circle and you, you're, you're going onto the highway. He said, when you're taking a big turn, don't look just over the hood. If you look just over the hood, your turn's going to be jerky like this. What he said, when you're going a big turn, look past the turn and your driving instincts will naturally kick in. Look past the turn and you're naturally going to respond and make that turn. Now today, as we talk about God's calling, we're not going to look just over the hood at a lot of specifics about our calling. Rather, we're going to look past the turn. We're going to be looking at some key principles to follow in order, in order to live out your calling. Because if you look just past the turn and you apply these key principles, your calling will naturally respond. Now, you might be sitting here thinking to yourself, okay, what does calling even mean? 
I mean, it's such an abstract word. It can be interpreted so many different ways. In fact, it can be over-spiritualized in so many different ways. I remember sitting as a young man in, in a church service and the pastor literally yelling, saying, you need to find God's calling in your life. I'm like, okay, but what does that actually mean? Well, when I say the phrase, God's calling in your life, as your outline says, I'm referring to your why. I'm referring to your purpose in life. Why am I here? Why has God created me? What plan does God have for me? What is my purpose? When we're asking, how do I find God's calling in my life? We're really asking, how do I find God's why in my life? Another way to say it is, what is God's purpose in my life? Now, it's important to note that as you read the New Testament of the Bible, that's, that's, that's the, the part of the Bible that was written after Jesus rose, uh, rose from the grave, the word calling in the New Testament is almost always synonymous with the word salvation. In the New Testament, calling equals salvation. The word calling in the New Testament comes from the Greek word kaleo, and it's used many times in the New Testament, and that word kaleo literally means to call or to summon or to invite. Let me give you a few examples. Romans chapter 1 verse 1 says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called, there's that word, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Again, the word called here means it's a general call to salvation. God has invited Paul to be saved, and Paul has accepted that call. The, the, the phrase called to be an apostle literally means invited or summoned to be a messenger of Christ. Romans 1.6 says, And you also are among the Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus. Again, there's that word called. It means summoned or invited to salvation. We're summoned and invited to belong to Jesus. Romans 8:28, one more, says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Again, in this context, the word calling is referring to God's calling and inviting people to salvation. We are called, we are invited, we're even summoned into a relationship with God. So, how do I find God's calling in my life? How do I find God's why for my life? Well, as your outline says, God's primary calling is this. God calls us to himself. God calls us to himself. God's primary call is to salvation. Our primary call is by God, it's to God, and it's for God. And here's the thing, our primary call is the same for everyone. We are all called first to God. As your outline says, first and foremost, we are called to someone, not to something. We're called first to someone, not to something. A lot of times we can get confused when we talk about calling and we ask questions like, is God calling me to be a nurse? Is God calling me to be a missionary or a teacher? Is God calling me to retire early? We get confused because we're looking for the thing that we think God call is calling us to do. But first and foremost, God is calling us to someone. Not just anyone, God is calling us to himself, not to something. 
Secondly, your primary call is to someone, not to somewhere. Your primary call is to someone, not to anyone, it's to God, not to somewhere. God is calling you first to himself, to be close to him, not to go to Hungary or Honduras or even your homeland. He's calling you first to himself. So do you want to know your why? Do you want to know your purpose? Do you want to know your calling? Your primary calling is to be saved by God. Remember in the New Testament, calling equals salvation. God first calls us to himself. That means we're called to love God. Jesus actually talks about what it means to love God in the Gospel of Mark chapter 12. I'm going to read the very words of Jesus. And he says this, if you're following along in your Bible, Mark chapter 12 verse 30, uh, or maybe you're following along in your outline, I want you to circle or underline every time you hear the word all. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Did you catch that? We are called to serve God and love God with all that we have. The problem is, we often compartmentalize God. We compartmentalize Him. That means we allow God in certain areas of our life, and not in other areas of our life. We said, God, you can be part of my marriage, but don't touch my money. We say, God, you can be part of my Sunday through Thursday, but don't touch my Friday and Saturday. My weekend is for me. We say, God, you can be part of my work, but don't try to influence my words. We say, God, you can be part of this area of my life, but don't touch this area of my life. See, when Jesus was on the earth, he clashed a lot with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day, and he had a big problem with the Pharisees. You know why? Because the Pharisees had head knowledge, but that head knowledge didn't transfer into the transformation of their heart. They knew a lot about God up here, but they compartmentalized God in their life. They didn't surrender every area of their lives to God. And that's why Jesus clashed with them. They said they loved God, the Pharisees did, and they actually knew a lot about him. They had a lot of head knowledge, but they compartmentalized them. They said, God, you're allowed here, but don't be part of this area of my life. They had head knowledge, but didn't allow God to impact their heart. Your primary calling, your why, is to love God with all that you have, with all your heart all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. Does that describe you today? As you're watching here from your home or, or wherever you're watching, can you honestly say that you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind? If you don't, if you haven't given God full control of your life, if you haven't surrendered your life to Him, in a few minutes when I close, I'm going to give you that opportunity to do just you want to know what God's calling in your life is? First and foremost, he's calling us to himself. Without placing God at the center of your life, you will fall short of the calling that God has for your life. I'm going to say that again. Without placing God at the center of your life, you will fall short of the calling that God has for your life. 
Now maybe you're sitting here and watching this thinking to yourself, okay, Lewis, I've got that one. I've answered God's call to salvation. I love God. I know God. I've invited him to, into every area of my life. But what else does God want me to do with my life? Is there more to this call? Or is this call accomplished once I've invited God into my life? Is there a more specific call in my life? What else am I called to do? Now, it's important to note that, that God's primary calling, what we just spoke about, is his main calling in your life. It is most important. It's primary. But there is a secondary calling that we're going to be speaking about in a few moments. But that secondary call is, in fact, secondary. The main call is God is calling us to himself. Remember the driving instructions that my instructor gave me when navigating an on-ramp to the highway? He said, when making the turn, don't look directly in front of, of the hood. He said, look past the turn and your driving instincts will naturally respond. Well, when it comes to your calling, looking past the turn is understanding your primary calling. Understanding that God has first called us to himself. That's looking past the turn. That's seeing the big picture. And not only that, but remembering that we need to love him with everything that we have. Not just part of our life, life, but with all of our life. And just like your driving instincts will kick in when you look past the turn, when you understand your primary calling, your godly instincts will kick in and you'll naturally respond in your life. Once you understand and walk out your primary calling, as your outline says, your secondary calling is this. God calls us to respond. God simply calls us to respond. We all have the same primary calling. It's most important. God calls us to himself. And our secondary calling, it's going to actually look different for everyone. The primary calling is the same. The secondary calling will look a little bit different. It, it, it's different how we're all going to respond to God impacting our lives. There's a story in the Bible in John chapter 6 of Jesus. He, he often, when he was on earth, he, he would go and he would teach and large crowds would gather. And there was a large crowd that had gathered here um, when we pick up the story, Mark chapter 6, verse 5, and everyone started getting a little bit hungry. And we're going to pick up the story here. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. So Jesus is there and there's thousands of people and they all start getting a little hungry and they all start wondering, 
How are we going to feed these people? And in comes this little boy. I picture him with a little basket with a little bit of food in his basket. He's got a couple pieces of bread and he's got a couple pieces of fish. I've got some pink salmon, wild pink salmon here. And he comes and he doesn't have much, but he sees the need and he wants to help out. And he goes up to the disciples and he says, listen, I don't have much, but here's what I do have. And he gives it to the disciples. And guess what? God blessed it. He multiplied it. And all 5,000 men, plus women and children, ate as much as they wanted. You see, when it comes to responding to your call, I think we can learn a lot from this little boy in John chapter 6. As your outline says, the first lesson is this. Be attentive, listen, and respond. Be attentive, listen, and respond. That little boy saw a need, he took note of it, and he was attentive. When I go, shop, go shopping at Walmart, it looks a lot different than when my wife Carrie goes shopping at Walmart. When I go to Walmart, I have tunnel vision. I'm going to an aisle, I'm getting whatever I need, I go to the self-checkout, I keep my head down, and I'm just on a mission. I'm just, I have tunnel vision. When Carrie goes to Walmart, she has a totally different point of view. She's literally looking for an opportunity. She leaves the house looking to make someone's day, looking to make someone happy, or looking to hug someone pre-COVID, of course, or looking to even cry with someone. Every time Carrie comes back from Walmart, she walks in the door and she says, you won't believe what just happened. And she tells a story of her comforting a pregnant woman or helping an elderly couple or, or even meeting a famous football player. She's met G. Roy Simon, a famous football player that played for the BC Lions in the Langley Walmart, believe it or not. And I'm not joking. Two days ago, she went to Walmart and I was laying on the couch and I thought, I wonder if she's going to come back and prove my point. She opened up the door, came back and said, Lewis, you won't believe what just happened with some tears in her eyes. And I thought, I am literally preaching about this in two days. And she told me about her, how she saw a single mom struggling and she helped her load her groceries. And, and that was her response. The truth is, oftentimes Carrie's like that little boy and I'm not. She's attentive. In order to respond, you need to be attentive to the needs around you. Up on the screen, there's a picture of a man. His name's Graham Bowers. Now, Graham, he's been attending Broadway for a number of years now, and he's went on our missions trip to Mexico four different times. He seems to go every year. He loves it. And each time he visited this orphanage in Mexico, it confirmed and strengthened this conviction that he, that he had. He felt like God was calling him to serve at that orphanage in Mexico full time. He didn't know when. He thought maybe one day, you know, God's going to call me to Mexico. Maybe in three to six years when I retire. He didn't know when. One day he thought this probably will happen. And on the last day of school, June 28, 2019, this was just over a year ago, not decades ago, a year ago. He saw this message in the orphanage's monthly newsletter. It wrote this, six of our staff members will be leaving at the end of summer at the Baja Mission. Most of them are school teachers. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send missionary teachers for our children. Is God calling you? 
He felt in that moment like God was saying to him, not later, Graham, the time is now. You see, Graham Graham was attentive to the needs around him. He was attentive to God's voice, and he responded. He submitted his resignation from his teaching position. He literally sold everything that he had. He left his friends and family and his home church, Broadway Church, and he took the leap of faith moving to Mexico this past year with limited finances and trusting God, trusting that God would sustain him. And now, as we speak, he is a Broadway Church global worker. What an incredible response. And Graham, I know you're watching this from Mexico. We are so proud of you for responding how you did. Of course, your response to God's calling doesn't have to lead you to move to Mexico, but there are some important principles at play here. Graham loved God with his whole heart. Graham understood his primary calling. He accepted the gift of salvation and he was walking this out. He was serving on mission trips. He was serving at his church in his everyday life. And Graham was attentive. When he was in Mexico, he saw the need. And when he came back, he was attentive to the voice of God. You see, in order to be attentive, you need to be able to listen. You have to be able to listen to the voice of God that's speaking to you. Now, I don't have a lot of time to get into how God speaks to us. In fact, we, we carved a whole message out for this back in March in our God Talk series. I'd encourage you to go and watch that back from March. But if you, if you remember hearing that sermon, we, we learned that God's thoughts sound like your thoughts. He places thoughts in your mind. And we learned that God loves to talk to those who love to listen. So let me ask you, are you attentive? Are you listening right now? And will you respond? Carrie does every time she goes to Walmart. Graham did when that newsletter popped up on his feed. This little boy was attentive and he was listening and he responded. The truth is God is speaking to you. He's putting thoughts in your mind and desires in your heart and passions in your life. So be attentive, listen, and respond. Lesson number two that we can find from this little boy is this. Be available and respond. Be available and respond. Listen, that little boy with his five pieces of bread and his two pieces of fish, he could have easily just walked away from the situation. I mean, really? What is he going to do? Like, is he going to feed, like, half a person with this? Like, it, he could have he easily just walked away. But he didn't. He was available. He said yes, regardless of how little he had to offer. You see, I think many of us say no because of how little we think we have to offer. I think many of us write ourselves off because we don't think that God can use us. We look at our gifts, our personality, we look at our family background, we even look at our physical looks, and we count ourselves out because of how little we think we have. You may have thoughts going through your mind that tell you this, I don't have lots of talents or abilities. I'm not good enough. God can never use me. If only I had more money. If only I can speak like Pastor Darren. If only I was smarter. If only, if only, if only. 
And many times, the enemy's lies are greater than the Almighty's truth. We don't think that God can use us because we're listening to the lies in our minds. If you're listening to those lies, I want to tell you briefly what the truth is. God created you with unique abilities. You are good enough. God can use you. Stop comparing yourselves to other people. God can use you and you have what it takes to be used by God. Carrie literally goes out to Walmart every night and is used by God. God can use you in the unique abilities that he's given you. Now saying all that, you might be sitting on your couch watching thinking, you know, I actually don't know what my gifts are. I actually don't know what my strengths are. We'd actually love to help you find out what those things are. We've created a, a resource page on our website. All you have to do is go to broadwaychurch.com slash findmycalling. You'll find questionnaires there that'll help you find your spiritual gifts and your personality types. And we'll even suggest areas for you to respond. And our pastoral staff, we'd love to meet with you and, and help you down this process and help you find your giftings in an area where you can respond. Now, back to the story. You can just picture it. This innocent little boy walked up to the disciples with almost nothing. And God multiplied it because that boy was available. You need to be available. God's not looking for ability, he's looking for availability. You may not think you have much, but God can multiply your gifts. He can multiply your abilities, he can multiply your influence. All you need to do is be available and respond. And as you string together days, weeks, years, and decades of being attentive to the needs around you, attentive to God's voice within you, and if you're available to say yes, you're going to look back on your life and realize that you were living out God's will all along. How do I know what God wants me to do? Is there a specific task that I'm called to do? Is God's calling something that I could miss, or is it going to happen no matter what? Remember, you are first called to God, then you're called to respond. Once you give God your whole life and your whole heart, then your godly instincts kick in. All you have to do is be attentive, be available, and respond. And as you walk out God's calling in your life, remember, don't look just over the hood and get caught up in all the specifics. Look past the turn and your godly instincts will kick in. And that brings us to today's big idea. Every week we like to sum up the teaching in one big idea, and here it is today. In order to find your why, seek first the caller, and your calling will respond. In order to find your why, seek first the caller, and your calling will respond. When thinking of God's call in your work life, don't get caught up in trying to choose the career that you think God wants you to have. That's like looking just over the hood. Rather, focus on your connection with God's Spirit. That's looking past the turn, and your career will respond accordingly. Focus on who God wants you to be, and what you will do will fall in place. Remember, seek first the caller, and your calling will respond. When you think about God's calling for your personal life, don't stress out or worry about who God has called you to marry. 
That's like looking just over the hood. Rather, focus on your relationship with God. That's like looking at the big picture. That's like looking past the turn. And your relationships will respond accordingly. Focus on who God wants you to be and who you will be with will fall into place. Seek first the caller and your calling will respond. There's many specific questions that I'm sure people have had and questions that I've heard over the years. Is it God's calling for me to buy or to sell? Is it God's calling for me to quit or to stay? Should I do this or should I do that? And it always comes down to this principle. Seek first the caller and your calling will respond. But do you know why that's true? It's true because as you seek the caller, as you seek God, when you give him your whole heart, when you stop compartmentalizing him in certain areas of your life, when you serve him with everything that you have, when you obey his words, and when you're following his commands, he gives you the wisdom to make godly choices of who to marry and where to go and what to do and what to say. When you seek the caller, his mind is downloaded into your mind. You have the mind of Christ. When you seek the caller, his heart is downloaded into your heart. His passions are downloaded into your life. That's why when you seek the caller, your calling will respond. When you seek the caller, your godly instincts will kick in. And all you have to do is respond. God has given you the ability to make the decisions. So simply respond. And here's the amazing thing. Even if you've made very bad decisions, even if you have not sought the caller recently, even if you would consider yourself right now far away from God, He can and He will use those decisions for the good if you put your trust in Him. And so today, maybe you're sitting there thinking, I want to put my full trust in Him today. Maybe you've never put your full trust in God ever in your life before. I want to walk you through a prayer. Maybe you have given Christ your life, but you've kind of fallen away. You, you realize that you're compartmentalizing your life, and you want to today give God all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. I want you to agree with this prayer with me. Why don't you bow your heads? God, I just thank you that you love us so much. We just thank you that you do draw us to yourself. We thank you that you have a plan for our lives and that you care for us even more than we care for ourselves. God, I pray for every one of these people that want to give all of their lives to you. I just pray that you would continue to soften their hearts, continue to draw them close to you, continue to speak to them, God, and continue to give strength to live this out in their daily lives. God, for all those people that want to invite you into their heart, God, we just thank you for your forgiveness and for your love. We just thank you for sending your son on the cross. And God, we accept that forgiveness. We accept your grace and we accept your love and we accept your mercy today. I pray this in your name. Amen. If you said that prayer today, there's a number on the screen. You can text that number and on the other end is going to be a pastor. They'll have to pray with you. They'll have to help you uh, take the next steps in this big decision that you made today. Thank you for joining us. See you next week.